0: Shalom, brothers and sisters, the state of the world is in a scary place this day. Um, You know, Afghanistan is all over the news. The Taliban's takeover of the country and everyone is talking about this. There's a lot of pointing of the finger. There's a lot of politics intertwined and uh, it's certainly a very complicated topic. I want to give you a perspective today about this, that I am not sure if it's been talked about enough, but I think that there is such a lesson in what we are witnessing happening in this country. And to be frank, none of this should be a great shock to us. And um, I'm going to try my best not to go into politics tonight, (laughs) but what we are seeing is something that the Bible fundamentally teaches will happen. And what I really just mean by that is we are witnessing the heart issue of man. You see, going into a country the way that the US did, whether you believe it was right or not, I I am certain that there were many good things that came out of it. Schools that were built, um, people ha- uh, got literacy in ways I would have never gotten before education. Um, there was provisions to people in the country in ways I may not have had without the intervention of the United States, etc. OK, there are arguably many positives about it all. But the reality is As we all know, at some point the US had to pull out, maybe it was too early, maybe it was too late, maybe the timing was wrong. That can all be argued and talked about. But what I want to talk about is the fact that nothing, nothing, that no intervention that we could bring, that any country could bring to another that is not the intervention of the gospel would solve the issue, because at the end of the day, guns, war or any other idea or intervention of man is not the mechanism by which hearts are changed. You see, the mechanism by which hearts of men are changed. This it can only be done through the power of Christ, because Don't make no mistake. The issue within Afghanistan above all else is a heart issue. It's the same issue that we face anywhere else in the world, including in the United States. You see, let me break this down for you, brothers and sisters. What's the difference between a country like the United States and a country like Afghanistan or many of the countries in the Middle East or and so forth? Well, you, you could argue, you know, oh, you know, you could think about, um, oh, the infrastructure is better and you could think about, oh, the the cultures different. You can think about laws are different and all those things are true. But why? What is at the root of it all the difference? You see, it, and when we when we peel back these lighters, you'll start discovering that sh- Sharia law is what rules Afghanistan. And you'll start realizing that Biblical law at the back is at the backbone of the United States. Now, you may say, well, this is not a United States is not the country it used to be. And that's fair. And, you know, things may be degrading in certain areas and so forth. But the reality is, is that the United States, whether you like it or not, whether you're an atheist, whether you're a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac or Jacob, the United States was built upon Biblical principles. And it is that which has, even if you're not a believer, let's just say you were an atheist and you grew up in in a home that may not even be a home that had believing parents, right? You still grew up within a culture that that were backed by the principles that were handed down by God to people. And that is what we call the Torah, the Torah and the Prophets, uh, your Old Testament, if you will. God handed down these commandments to Israel to teach them how to how to govern a land, how to live, how to live well, how to live in in a blessing, how to live in a way that is at the end love towards God and love towards a neighbor. And, you know, what's amazing is when you peel back these layers, you realize that at the backbone of everything, uh, the Bible is really what makes a country the way the United States ended up becoming blessed and prosperous. And you start realizing that when you go even back further, the uh, the giving of the scriptures or let me say the giving of the commandments to Israel and it's. At the moment, it was given in the cultural context by which it was given. And as Israel was surrounded by pagan cultures, that was revolutionary. Like, you know, the the United States, we can be so naive to think that it was by, oh, it is the founding fathers or it is the, you know, if you're from my country, you know, uh, my country, I'm from South Africa, our founding fathers of of our country who who built this country and they they got all these great ideas on that and they figured out how to rule it well. And but they all, everyone, they all got it somewhere. I mean, the Western world got this idea of how to create a society of at the end, hopefully somewhat of a, a society of love. That idea came from God. As God came to Israel, they were surrounded by pagan cultures. And these pagan cultures, when you go and you study this, you'll find that they were cultures who typically had a king. Right. Having kings were very common back then. But then you'd have this king making the laws. This king would be the judge judging those who may or may not have kept it the way that the king prescribed. This king would even be the spiritual leader of the land of this pagan land. So they would be this religious leader as well. Um, And on top of all this, within this land, not everyone would have even been been equal with regards to the law. In other words, if you're a king, you can get away with breaking your own law. This was commonplace in pagan cultures. But here comes God, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and he gives Israel something ref- that's like a, a, a reformation of of how things were being done. It was revolutionary. And he says that, well, first of God gives the law. This is not some king who thought it out and sucked it out of his thumb. <laughs> right. God gives the law. He's the one who established He's the legislator, if you will. And then he says, "Now I want you to ap- appoint judges and I want you to appoint kings different offices. There's going to be judges and they they're in charge of making judging those who keep or don't keep the law. And then you have a king who's in charge of administrative duties in regards to leading a nation. And then you have a God separate from all of this, the one who gave it. These different offices were in the pagan cultures all connected. But now God separates it. And this is it sounds simple, but it's like this was amazing. This was crazy. Like no one has done this before. Because why? People. Are greedy for gain. And when someone gets to become a king, they want to rule and control everything, whether it's religious beliefs, They want to create the laws, judge people based on the laws. They want to also then at the end of the day not even be subject to their own laws. But now suddenly God comes into the picture and he says, this is not how things are going to go in this nation that I'm creating anymore. And by the way, this is a proof for the existence of God because no man, let's just be honest here, A man in of themselves, they're they're not going to go there. We as people in our nature, we rule. We want to rule. We want to be greedy for gain. We want to be selfish. No man, it's never recorded Nowhere in history was there a man who came up with this idea. This idea came from the Bible, where it all began in the journey with Israel through the wilderness. And as God started this now we see we can point to that moment because look if there was a man like if it was Moses okay let's just this could be an easy thing if, if it was Moses who came up with the idea that oh let's let's put judges in let's put um prophets in let's put um uh, a king in and they're all separate and let's make where the law comes from, also separate from all these offices, And and this guy, if it was Moses, it would be a good opportunity to take credit for that because that's an amazing idea. And you could be written down in the history books because that's something to be proud of. But there's no one who took credit for that because it came from God. God was the one who provided this. That's where it comes from. Now, this is a very important idea because Today, we still need to be humble enough to look back at where do all these ideas come from on how to make a prosperous and blessed nation came from our father. Now, you know, I want to read this Deuteronomy 1718. And this is all with regards to what the Torah says regarding kings. And he says, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book, a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life. He shall learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of his law and these statutes and doing them. God is saying, hey, this king, he's going to be monitored by the Levitical priests. The Levitical priests are going to approve of him. See that if he's doing his job in studying, learning the Torah, the laws, and making sure that he obeys it himself. He's not going to get away. He's not going to have this thing in his land where not everyone is equal with regards to the law. And, you know, some people can break it, some people aren't. That's at least the way that God desires it. I know that's not perfect even today in Western worlds, but that at least is at the fundamental. That's a principle that is still in our society today, and it comes from God. And in that day, you know, one more thing I could bring up is the treatment of women, because when we look at Afghanistan, uh, well, let me just say the the Taliban and Shahira law and um, many other, not just in the Muslim faith, but or in Islam, but also in other faiths, um, the treatment of women are is it is a tricky topic, a topic where this really starts showing itself more. Um, when we look at the Bible, the Bible is extremely kind, extremely uh, gives extreme, extremely radical I, I know radical. It sounds like that's a big word. But in the time and in the context, uh, histor- historically, the Bible gives amazing freedoms and respect to women. Uh, and when Yeshua came. Uh, Jesus in the flesh, he had disciples who were women. He had evangelists who were women. The first proclamation of the resurrection was by a woman. The first proclamation to the Samaritans of the Messiah was by a woman. The Samaritan woman. He was uplifting women everywhere he went. And um, we also see in the Bible before this many, many uh avenues many freedoms liberties are given to women while in pagan cultures women were extremely oppressed and today of course this is very prevalent still within the islamic radical islamic circles especially so Uh, women are very much forbidden from being from participating culture in many of the normal same ways as men, including even aspects of education and so forth. It's it's really disheartening. And that's one of the things that breaks my heart the most about what's going on in Afghanistan is there's a the women there, many of them grew up without this extreme oppression. And I am mm, worried about the the attacks of the Taliban on this freedom that women had there for, you know, the past however many years, 20 years, it may have been. And today, even within uh, Orthodox Judaic circles, um, some Christian circles who are living in unbiblical ways and many pagan cultures around the world, the treatment of women are still we've we've went back. And, and even still they're if they don't believe in the gospel, they don't believe in what Yeshua taught about women and what the Bible teaches about women. There is an oppression oppression there. This is the this seems to be the nature of man to want to to oppress those who are weaker. And I'm not saying weak as in less valuable or any of that. I'm saying I, I'm saying men have tried to take advantage of women, and this is really uh, prevalent. So women and the uplifting of women by the scriptures and by God is ultimately another proof of how God is so good and different, because again, we can trace all of this, these ideas back to nowhere but God himself. And uh, one last thing I just want to bring up about this is in Exodus 12, verse 49. Um, there shall be one law for the native and for the stranger. Sojourns among you is what God told Israel. You need to love the strangers. But obviously in, in Islam, the strangers those who don't who aren't you and who aren't your closest of family and fellowship in in many of Islamic, you know, if you go into strict Islamic ideas that we're talking about the infidel now. And many of the teachings are that they need to be killed. So. (laughs) Brothers, sisters, I just feel that, you know, what we're facing is that. We can talk about we can point point fingers, we can talk about how are we going to solve something like Afghanistan? How are we going to solve something like and this is all over the world? Afghanistan is not new. This is happening everywhere. Afghanistan is the only country in the news right now, but it's happening everywhere. And how do we solve that? How do we give liberty to people like women? How do we give liberty to to the captives, to the oppressed, to to countries suffering with poverty where, you know, economically in Whichever way you want to think about crime, whether, it you know, in my country, I don't even want to go into that because it's a it's a bucket list of issues. And ultimately, you know, whether you like it or not. For example, I just want to take my country for, for one moment in South Africa. South Africa is a country of an atmosphere that is very that is Christian Okay, there's a lot of Christianity going on there. Um, There's also a lot of witchcraft, especially more and more in recent years. Um, But ultimately, South Africa is probably at least at its um, in a a few years ago, (laughs) it was one of the most prosperous countries within South Africa, within Africa, the African continent and This is, again, because not of some man made. It's not because of this people group or that people group. It's just not. It's because of the principles of the Bible that were laid as the foundation of that country when it was established. And you can argue, you know, and we can argue about, you know, how that happened, how countries were formed. And many of that was really it went down badly with war and But ultimately, the country was built upon the biblical principles of that was handed on again to Moses thousands of years later years ago. And we see that still today. We see the prosperity even as it's waning. We still see its origins in the Bible. And at the end of the day, nothing can fix South Africa, nothing can fix Afghanistan, nothing can fix the United States as things are are heading a certain direction. No amount of no politician, no legislation, no nothing. None of that. No man-made idea or intervention is gonna fix this. And I want you to get this, because if we don't get this, then we're gonna run in circles here. The reality is, is only the gospel can fix this because the thing that needs to be changed is the hearts of men. That's and the only thing that can reach them is the gospel. And it is if, if we spent half of the budget that we spend on war on getting the gospel to those people, we wouldn't be needing to wage the wars we do. But we are forced to wage wars because we have chosen to withhold the gospel. And this is not because necessarily it's one or another's fault. I understand that the world is a complex place. But at the end of the day, my point stands that the solution is with Yeshua. And so I want you that being said, what what am I really saying here? What What are you talking about, Peter? What's the point of all this? My point is this don't. Forsake prayer. Don't forsake how important it is to pray for a country like Afghanistan in a time of need like this, because I don't know if you know this. Many of you may not know this. Afghanistan is arguably the second fastest growing church. Christianity, right? Church in the world. I don't know if you know that. Like God is doing something there. I know it's crazy there right now, but God is busy with something there. He's encountering people and many people on the grounds. Hearts are being changed. Yes, we see leaders rising and falling and they're very corrupt. But God is busy doing on the ground behind closed doors in the dark. Something is happening in the hearts of people there. And ultimately, as we all know, on the ground, what happens will will eventually hopefully start going more and more into per, growing into pervasiveness throughout the country and eventually even reaching the heart of someone who can one day become a leader. And that's what we want to be praying for. So please join me as I'm going to pray right now for this country, uh, which my heart my heart is breaking, brothers and sisters, for Afghanistan. And and I want to pray for Af- Afghanistan and countries like it. Um, because I believe in the power of prayer, I believe that God can do something. amen. so Father, I thank you, Lord, for this country of Afghanistan, which there are people there which you love, Father, and I pray that you would come with your Holy Spirit when visit with dreams and visions, I pray you would open eyes to the beauty of your son to your gospel. Father, I pray that you would make a way for your gospel to go forth, Lord, like never before. In that country, Lord, I pray that despite what the news says, that you have a good news, Lord, and there's no bad news that can stop your good news from going forth. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open doors and make a supernatural way for this. Father, I just pray for all other countries like it, where there is great oppression, where there is great um, um, persecutions and trials and, and failures of government. And. Countries where they have failed to uphold your law, Lord, because ultimately your law, your Torah is what blesses. And Father, I pray that you would open the eyes of people to the beauty of your law, to the beauty of your son. Lord, I pray that you would have a move of your spirit to change the hearts of people. And father, help us to realign to and look to solutions that are gospel centric instead of trying to find our ways with our own man made ideas that will just accomplish nothing. Lord, father, our ideas are and have solutions that are merely temporary. But father, your solutions are forever. Pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. That's really true, brothers and sisters. Man-made interventions—they will last a few years. They will do great things. I'm not saying that not, no no good things have ever been done by man-made ideas, right? But ultimately, if you want a lasting change in people, there's nothing that can do that but the Holy Spirit's work in someone. So that is what I would want us to hope and look forward to. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, I just want to let you know that I just released a teaching today called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where I unpack the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this mysterious, elusive thing to many. Right. And we talk, we open the Bible we're, we're, and we're really looking in there. What What does the Bible say and teach about this baptism? And so I'm going to end this video off by playing a intro, a trailer to this teaching we just put out today and of course this video is free like all rise on fire videos so if you're interested in this please go check it out on our channel on youtube as well as riseonfire.com so i hope that this blesses you thank you for sticking with me tonight have an amazing shabbat Uh, shalom pulling enabling a radical broad.